This is Michael Zuber, and I just wanted to thank you for listening to my One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that I took the time to document the entire process I used to learn my market and actually still use today? I released it as a $199 online course via Teachable, and it is called How to Get Started One Rental at a Time. With that, you get access to my private Facebook group and can join our group mentoring calls every Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific. You can find it on my website at onerentalatatime.com. Now on with the show. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, folks. How are you doing today? This is a topic I have been waiting to talk to Anna Kelly about. So let's welcome her to the show. How are you doing? I am great. I'm sitting here at the beach listening to the birds and talking to you. What oh. else could I go on? You are in your happy place, as you said in episode one. I think that is so, everybody needs a happy place, folks. You know what? Let's have a little fun. In the comments below, tell us where your happy place is and, you know, keep it PG, folks. Don't be, don't be, don't be creepy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're going to see what, what, where, where people's happy places are. So on a, this, this is a conversation that I think we just need to have. You and I have been in this 20 years. We've been through the great recession. I think we both appreciate uh, that these are extraordinary times. We yes. both have said there's a lot of money being created and pumped into the system. I will say it and we'll see if you agree or disagree. I think there's so much cash in the system, so many people chasing yield that frankly, terrible deals are getting done. And I believe there's going to be prices paid in the next two or three years. What do you think? I agree with you completely. Oh. I agree with you completely, <laughs> yeah. You know, I didn't that, know. <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy because we are we're you know we're in a situation where people have to realize we've been through this pandemic right and and it was bad. I mean, it shut businesses down for no short term, shut businesses down long term. People lost their jobs, people lost their second homes, their primary homes, foreclosure, forbearance, and that what the government did this time that they didn't do in the last recession is they really tried to stop stop the bleeding and they yeah, put they, in a lot of artificial stop gaps which helped businesses stay afloat and pay their employees and help people you know to to have basically a basic living wage through unemployment um income boosters but what that's done is it's given people this artificial sense that things are back to normal and they're really good again right mm -hmm. and so they feel like now I've got all this extra money. We've gotten multiple deposits for every kid that we have, whether we need the money or not, into our bank account, you know, from the Fed. Yeah. Um, banks are, are lending money for just about anything that you, you want to buy at this point, which is behavior that we normally don't see when you're in a recession. When you're in a recession, banks usually tighten up significantly and they've tightened, but not significantly. They still want to lend, right? Yeah, yeah, because yeah. the government has basically removed their reserve requirements so that they'll keep lending yep. so that they can keep putting, putting money in people's pockets. And what happens with that always, it's, it's cycles always, is that once a lot of money is infused into the system and you have this artificial demand that increases prices for everything under the sun that people have money to spend on. It increases real estate prices, vehicle prices. Um, I try to buy a jet ski and they're like crazy expensive. Food, lumber, steel, resin, everything you can imagine is significantly more expensive, partially because of supply chain issues, right? But that only takes you so far, but partially because there's this sudden increased cash and demand in the system that is artificially boosted, keeping things high, 
and it's going to result in continued inflation and then it's going to stop and then it's going to crater and come down. And that's what we have to be really careful of is what comes down, where and when, and how do we mitigate that risk? Yeah, I think, I think there's, again, I'm, I'm probably more nervous now about structural cracks in some parts of the real estate or investing market sure. than, I, than I have before. But let me just go back to the Great Recession, because a lot of people follow this, think single family homes. That right. is actually one place, generally speaking, there could be some markets, the lending is fine. It's 30-year fixed rate debt. It, it doesn't suddenly stop. I think single family is probably the safest of the bunch. I'll start there. Is that, or do you have concern there? Um, I have concern there in certain markets, like we've yeah. talked about before, you know, just real estate being very regionalized. If you're buying super high priced homes that, that have gone up 20% or more yeah. in some markets, prices are only actually up about seven or 8% pre pandemic. So mm-hmm. we hear this prices are crazy. We're going to have this huge real estate crash. I don't think that's the case nationally. In some areas, yes, prices are up 20%. I'm looking at single family um, short-term rentals on the ocean, all up and down, you know, the East coast, Mm -hmm. double to triple the value. They're selling for double to triple what they were 18 months ago. That is the kind of house that if you buy it now, you might have some pain unless you're willing to just hold it long-term. That's why I'm a long-term buy and hold investor. I can weather some ups and downs over many, many years Mm -hmm. that if you think you're going to come in and flip them or need to get in and out in a couple of years, it could be dangerous, right? But overall, seven to 10% increase in values over a year and a half kind of nationally in the single family home space, it's not a significant bump that's going to, you know, create a significant crash unless you're in markets that have gone up substantially more and then you need to be careful. Yeah. I think any market that's seen a two or 300% increase in the last 18 months is ripe for an adjustment, right? And it may even be a crash an adjustment. Just so my vocabulary is clear, anything less than 20% is an adjustment over 20% is a crash. I had to pick an artificial number. That's my number more than 20% crash, less than 20 in adjustment there. You know, there'll be some like that, but I think nationally speaking, we're going to go from, 100 miles an hour to 40 miles an hour. It's going to feel a lot slower, but it's still right. forward progress for, for the country. Right. And I think to your point about single family homes, you've got that low rate fixed debt for 30 fixed. years. You and that's that what makes it, um, that's what helps you to mitigate that risk, right? Yeah. Because your, your cash flow isn't impacted very much by a property value coming down. Not at My all. cash flow is impacted yeah. by the rents that I can get, mm-hmm. um, you know, a factor of supply and demand that sometimes follows housing prices, but oftentimes it doesn't, right? Yeah. And what is what are my fixed costs? And so I'm, I actually have looked for single family homes to buy, even though I'm mostly a, a multifamily investor, um, I'm gonna buy what the, what the market's bringing me opportunity for. And, that. you know, some single families still make sense. Yeah, I yeah, in my market again, one market I focus on, single families are the only thing that makes sense. And that's yeah. really where I see the stress. Again, I thought apartment prices were crazy a year ago. There I mean, I'm seeing so my market of Fresno, California, generally speaking is about a seven and a half, right? If you look over decades. Yeah. Right now, I'm seeing stuff sub five. I'm like, what are you doing? And I mean, some of this stuff is touching four. Right. Like, right. So here, yeah, here's the thing. There, there is more risk to some extent in 
multifamily because the cap rates are so low right now, prices are so high. And the question is, is that sustainable, right? And so when you want to go sell it, can you sell it for the same thing? Can you force the appreciation enough on these things by increasing the income, cutting the expenses, thereby forcing the additional value on that thing? Can you force it enough that even if cap rates you know, go up, meaning values come down, mm -hmm. you're still going to at least break even or make a little bit when you sell. Sure. So the only reason that sometimes these things are bought at super low cap rates is because the investors that are buying them, by and large, are institutions who don't need the cash flow. Mm -hmm. They don't care if they have significant upside in a few years like us syndicators want. They, they look at these newer buildings, especially as a preservation of capital play. Correct. So they're looking to say the economy is going to go down. We think that there's more pain ahead mm -hmm. and we need to manage inflation risk and interest rate risk and all of those things that we have in the system when an economy starts to teeter. And they look at multifamily as a place, safe place to park their money where over time, they can generate very small returns for their portfolio mm -hmm. that are considered somewhat stable and safe. And they'll just wait to sell it until they can profit. Yeah. And when small investors like us, we're still small compared to these big oh, institutions, yeah. start to pay the same cap rates, it doesn't make sense for us financially or for our investors. And that's yeah. where it's dangerous when people chase that you know, four and a half cap because they just are so desperate for a deal they don't realize that they're going to lose their shirt over yeah, time exactly. um, by overpaying while you're at the top of the market. Yeah. And I've seen this before. I mean, it's just a different vehicle, right? We are in a moment that reminds me very much of 06, 07, where everybody money is money is the easiest thing to get today. And that often leads to very bad decisions. That's why I'm so nervous that there's excess money. So I've been thinking there's only three ways that the money's going to get sopped out of the system. And it, it it just has to. Uh, one of them is taxes, right? You can tax it out. Number two is inflation, which, you know, has kind of historically been the way they've targeted inflated out. And then the other one, at least within real estate, is you just start raising rates, right? Which is kind of tied to inflation. Right. And kind of when I look at all of those, I, and again, it's that that's the difference between fixed 30 year debt and, you know, most people can't get, you know, 30 year fixed commercial lending that three, right. five, seven, 10 year terms freaks me out. I mean, when I think about rates five years from now, I'm not thinking they're in their threes. Right. You're right. And, and all of those things, when we just talk about wh where, where's the risk, why do we need to worry about it at all? Right. Mm -hmm. but the first thought is, is inflation because of all the money inflation's here for a while. Oh, yeah. And if I own assets, then my assets are going to go up in value. And the thought is my rents will go up as well. And so that's why people are still willing to buy the multifamily. Mm -hmm. The real risk is the other two pieces. What if not only do we have values going up, but my taxes suddenly go up significantly. Yep. If my taxes go up significantly on a single family, you can sell it to an investor, to a oh, homeowner, yeah. to whoever, right? Yeah. On multifamily, every dollar that you lose could impact the value of your property $20, really, because of, because of the way that, that multifamily works. And so every dollar that goes up in taxes reduces your cash flow, but it also reduces the value of your property um, where you don't have that in singles. And so there's some real risk there of taxes as part of the solution to get the money out of the system if you're a multifamily yep. or 
commercial investor in some way. The other piece of that though, is the interest rates. And so to your point, where single family houses, you can fix the interest rate, you, you know you're, you're kind of capping most of your fixed costs other than maybe insurance and taxes. But on multifamily deals, I can only lock at the most 10 years. Most. So if I want to hold my asset 30 years and I can only lock for 10 and I'm, I'm dependent on these 3% rates, 3.5% rates, and they go to five, my cash flow can go extremely low. And these 8% investor returns become three or four, right? Or if you're real, if you bought too high and your debt service is too high, yeah. you're, you could be at, at risk of losing the property because the banks want you to maintain a certain percentage of income over that debt service. And if your interest rates go up, your taxes go up, you really put your whole property at risk of being taken by the bank yeah. or losing, you know, wow. losing money on the deal. And so you have to be very, very careful in the commercial and, and any kind of real estate that you have that doesn't have long-term fixed debt. Yeah. And then the last thing just about rents, because I own both kind of sets, at least in my market, Anna, I'm seeing tremendous rent growth in singles. I'm not really seeing it in the multis, right? People like space. In my multis, you know, five on the bottom, five on top, maybe 18 in a courtyard. Rents are, I mean, they're growing up a little, but houses are screaming higher. But see, this is where regional differences make such a big difference, right? And it all comes again down to supply and demand. Like if y'all don't hear anything we say, <laughs> supply. supply and demand for everything. It's the basics, it's economics 101, but it's mm -hmm. so important, right? In my market, because we have very limited multifamily supply, mm -hmm. our rents, I mean, I'm setting the pace and, nice. and our rents are going up significantly. And we have to, to keep up for ex with expenses, also to make up for some of the losses during the pandemic. And because the cost of everything we put into our buildings now is increased. Yeah, Every time a washer and dryer yeah. goes out, a stove goes out, you know, it's probably 50% more in some yep. cases to replace those things. And so, um, you know, our rents have to go up. We're not just these greedy landlords, but we've got to raise them in order to continue those same returns, yep. especially when your costs are not, you know, staying consistent. But I mean, Michael, for example, one bedroom apartments in my area the highest you might pay 900 to a thousand bucks. Okay. I just had two one bedroom apartments, very nice, newer, you know, 18 months old, $1,400 a month. Oh my God. Without batting, without batting an eye, you know? So our rents have gone up pretty high and that's rural Pennsylvania. You know, it's not a major city either. And so, hmm. but again, it's because there's limited supply. We've got a lot of job growth. Ah. We have a lot of different industry and new companies hiring and a lot of there people coming into the area and there's not enough housing. And, and that is one of the most important things you can do when you decide on a market to invest in, look where the supply is significantly below the demand and where you have more people migrating in than you have leaving that area. And that's what's going to help you to be able to raise rents, you know, when your expenses do start to go up or when those rates go up or your taxes go up. That's amazing. Well, Anna, thank you very much for this. It's such a great conversation. Again, how can people get a part of your world? Uh, Facebook is the only place I'm really active, which is Anna, R-E-I mom, Kelly. Um, also, you can find me there on LinkedIn. And my website is greaterpurposecapital.com, where I and my investors find larger apartment communities where we really go in and make an impact on the lives of our residents. Oh. I just love that. And again, remember, folks, a little participation here. Let Anna and I know where your happy place is. And again, let's keep it PG. Thanks, Anna. Thanks so much.